White nationalists march in Washington, D.C., but only the media seem to care. Chris Cuomo is out at CNN, and the Biden administration considers new COVID restrictions despite the unthreatening Omicron data. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. You have a right to privacy. Defend your rights at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, Christmas quickly approacheth. And dudes, if you are in the market for a great Christmas gift for a lady in your life, let me tell you about the Pearl Source. Okay, because the Pearl Source, let me just tell you, the best quality pearl jewelry, up to 70% off retail prices. I've gotten stuff from the Pearl Source for my mom, for my sisters, for my daughters at this point. Okay, everything at the Pearl Source is beautiful. They cut out the middleman by eliminating those crazy jewelry store markups and they sell directly to you, the customer. At the Pearl Source, you'll find the largest selection of pearls available anywhere and each jewelry piece is custom made specifically for you. With global supply chain problems and shipping carriers expecting major delays as you get closer to the holidays, now would be the time to start shopping for the holiday season. Do not wait. The Pearl Source offers fast and free two-day shipping on every order with zero contact delivery. Everything comes beautifully packaged in an elegant jewel box so it's ready to be given as a gift. If you're not sure she'll love the gift, no worries. The Pearl Source comes with that no-hassle 60-day money-back guarantee with free return shipping, so it is risk-free, okay? I can personally attest to the quality of the products. Also, I know the owners, and they are wonderful, wonderful people. It's a great family-owned business. Go shop right now at thepearlsource.com slash Ben. You get 20% off your entire order and enter promo code Ben at checkout. Again, 20% off your entire order when you go to thepearlsource.com slash Ben and use that promo code Ben at checkout. Go straight to the source, the Pearl Source, thepearlsource.com backslash Ben. Enter promo code Ben at checkout for 20% off. Alrighty, so over the weekend, Bob Dole passed away. He, of course, had run for the presidency some three times. He's the actual nominee for the Republican Party in 1996, a historic American figure who was a war hero during World War II. He was 98 years old. The president of the United States did release a statement mourning Bob Dole. He said, Bob was an American statement like few in our history, a war hero among the greatest of the greatest generations. To me, he was a friend whom I could look to for trusted guidance or a humorous line at just the right moment to settle frayed nerves. I will miss my friend, but I'm grateful for the times we shared for the friendship Jill and I and our family have built with Liddy and the entire Dole family. Biden ordered that flags of the White House and other public buildings and facilities be flown at half staff in honor of Bob Dole, according to a proclamation released by the White House. And of course, he was a historic American figure. He had been wounded during World War II and had suffered a series of health ailments over the prior several decades. Dole served 27 years as a U.S. senator from Kansas. He was Senate Majority Leader twice. He ran for president against Bill Clinton in 1996. He was also Gerald Ford's running mate in 1976 after Nelson Rockefeller declined to stay on as vice president. According to CNN, early in his Senate career, he was labeled a hatchet man by his critics and drew national attention for his vehement defense of Richard Nixon throughout the Watergate scandal. He considered Nixon a friend and mentor, and he later eulogized Nixon at his funeral in 1994 as the most durable public figure of our time. And uh, he was a, a lawmaker and negotiator who did work with Democrats on issues like social security reform, the ADA, and nutrition legislation. Many Democrats came out of the woodwork to praise him. I have to say part of that has to be the fact that in this new world, Democrats are willing to praise any Republican who is no longer in office and is not Donald Trump. Those are the, those are the rules. The way that it works is you get a strange new respect after you leave office as a Republican. If you're in office as a Republican, you're an evil white supremacist. But if you're out of office, then you are a wonderful person because you're a hallmark of a better storied past in American life when these evil Republicans of today weren't in power. And it is, it is always striking to note the complete disconnect in the language that is used with regard to Republicans who were in office 30 years ago versus Republicans who are in office 
today. There were some members of the media, like Mehdi Hassan, who's awful over at MSNBC, declaring that because Bob Dole supported Trump, this was the most notable thing about his life, which is kind of incredible considering, again, that he enlisted at the age of 19 in the U.S. Army following America's entry into World War II. He was set to fight in Italy in 1945, but he was seriously wounded while trying to carry a fellow soldier to safety and spent 39 grueling months in and out of hospitals recuperating from his near-fatal injuries, which left his right arm permanently disabled, his left arm minimally functional. He received the Purple Heart twice, two bronze stars, with an oak leaf cluster for his service in World War II. Of course, there, there is, you, we, we do have to note that there is a difference in the class of, of people who run for office today versus the class of people who ran for office after World War II. And George H.W. Bush was an actual war hero. Bob Dole was an actual war hero. Uh, today, the kinds of people who we elect to public office are Instagram heroes who mainly have large followings online. So we bid a, a fond farewell to Bob Dole, obviously. Now, most of the news did lead with Bob Dole at the top of the news. CNN did not, however. CNN led with some other ancillary story about racism in America's public schools or some such. Meanwhile, Dana Milbank has the piece of the day over at the Washington Post. And this really is the theme of the Biden presidency right now is the media being very upset that it has to be critical with Joe Biden. So there are some members of the media who've been attempting to cover Joe Biden, I think with some level of fairness. Uh, I don't think all the media, I think most of the media have still been attempting to turn a sow's purse into a silk eater when it comes to Joe Biden or to turn a zombie president into George Washington. But some members of the media, a few members of the media have, have really done a better job at covering Joe Biden than I thought they would. Well, this has driven Dana Milbank over at the Washington Post to make the following suggestion. The media treats Joe Biden as badly or worse than Trump. Here's proof. And now, number one, you just have to be high to believe this. You have to be out of your mind to believe that the media treat Donald Trump and Joe Biden in any way similar to one another. That's crazy talk. It may be the reason that Joe Biden is getting rough treatment from the press right now is because he sucks and he's a terrible president. And maybe Donald Trump receives horrible treatment from the press literally from the day he entered office and got no credit for any of his accomplishments as president of the United States. Right? Those were all said to be baked into the cake. The only thing that was unique about Trump is what a crazy person he was on Twitter. The problem for the Democrats and for the press is that Joe Biden, his policies have been actually quite terrible and have had a really negative market impact on the United States. Remember, up until Afghanistan, all he got was glowing press coverage. Then Afghanistan happened and even the media couldn't spin that one away because it was so bad. By the way, a million children are set to starve in Afghanistan over the course of the next few months. A million children, thanks to the genius decision-making of the president of the United States. We'll get to all of that in just one second. First, let's talk about the greatest underwear on the market. I'm talking, of course, about Tommy John. If you are stuck on what to give your friends and family this year, wish them a merry softness and happy new rear with new comfy underwear, loungewear, and pajamas from Tommy John. Right now, I can tell you the Underwear that graced this magnificent took us. Those are Tommy John underwear. They're the only underwear that I own. When your loved ones start their day wearing Tommy John, they are that much more comfortable so they can do everything better. Tommy John loungewear's luxuriously soft tri-blend and micro-modal fabrics mean four-way stretch, no lint, no fuzz. With over 17 million pairs sold, giving the gift of Tommy John underwear and loungewear has become a holiday tradition for families all across the country. 97% of women and men love getting a gift from Tommy John. That's why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. It's also why I Literally took all the other underwear in my drawer and I threw them out and I only wear Tommy John now. Returns or exchanges are free. It's all backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. Get 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. That's TommyJohn.com slash Ben for 20% off. Order now so your gifts arrive before the holidays. TommyJohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. Alrighty, so 
again, the reason that Joe Biden has received disproportionately bad media coverage in the past few months is because of, you know, inflation and supply chain crises and the fact that the man is not perfectly sentient. And also the fact that, again, all of this started, if you go back just a few months, this all started like maybe four months ago when Joe Biden decided to precipitously pull out from Afghanistan, causing the fall of that regime and the complete takeover of the Taliban. And that, in turn, resulted in the subjugation of 19 million Afghan women and the murder of 13 American service people because of Joe Biden. Right? That's when the media coverage started to go real bad for him. By the way, it is only the beginning of December. Yeah, I, I know that we're all, we all have short memories in the political sphere, but last I checked the calendar, the calendar goes August, September, October, November. Okay, that means that like eight weeks ago, to 12 weeks ago, that was the fallout from Afghanistan. That was not all that long ago. And right now, Afghanistan is about to face massive starvation, according to the New York Times. One by one, women poured into the mud brick clinic, the frames of famished children peeking out beneath the folds of their pale gray, blue, and pink burqas. Many had walked for more than an hour across this drab stretch of southern Afghanistan where parched earth meets a washed out sky, desperate for medicine to pump life back into their children's shrunken veins for months. Their once daily meals had grown more sparse as harvest failed, wells ran dry, credit for flour from shopkeepers ran out. Now reality was setting in. Their children might not survive the winter. Nearly four months since the Taliban seized power, Afghanistan is on the brink of mass starvation that aid groups say threatens to kill a million children this winter. A million. A toll that would dwarf the total number of Afghan civilians estimated to have been killed as a direct result of the war over the past 20 years. This winter, an estimated 22.8 million people, more than half the population, are expected to face potentially life-threatening levels of food insecurity, according to the United Nations World Food Program and Food and Agriculture Organization. Of those, 8.7 million people are nearing famine, the worst stage of a food crisis. So you could see millions of people die this winter, and that is thanks to the greatness of Joe Biden. But Dana Milbank thinks that the media have been too mean to Joe Biden. Right? This is the part that's truly amazing. So Dana Milbank has a piece, again, over at the Washington Post, talking about how the media are worse to Joe Biden than they were to Donald Trump. Really? Really? So I, I feel like it's one thing to run a bad headline about Joe Biden, who has caused an inflationary spiral. He is going to be responsible for the starvation of millions of people in Afghanistan. He's responsible for Russia now threatening Ukraine on its border. He is responsible for the Chinese government growing more and more militant. I mean, he's responsible for a lot of bad things, is Joe Biden. I feel like there's a difference between covering that stuff even remotely accurately and spending four years bloviating about how Donald Trump was a Russian asset and spending every single day of every single year of the Trump presidency spinning around like tops based on something dumb the guy tweeted. I feel like there's a slight difference there, but according to Dana Milbank, really, really, Joe Biden should be treated with kid gloves. He writes, a sampling of headlines atop the influential political playbook newsletter over the past month. Let the Democratic freakout begin. Dems start to face the hard questions. Does the White House owe Larry Summers an apology? The other big intra-Democratic fight. No biff bump for Biden. White House braces for a bad CBO score. Biden dithers. Biden tries to call nerves about 2024. The case for why Biden is screwed. Even the extraordinary news that jobless claims had dropped to the lowest level in 52 years came with a qualifier. But, but, but. Don't expect the numbers to immediately change Americans' negative perceptions of the economy. It isn't just Politico, says Dana Milbank. My impression of other outlets' coverage of President Biden had been much the same, unrelentingly negative. Was it my imagination? No, it wasn't. Artificial intelligence can now measure the negativity with precision. At my request, Forge.ai, a data analytics unit of the information company FiscalNote, combed through more than 200,000 articles, tens of millions of words from 65 news websites to do a sentiment analysis of coverage. 
Using algorithms that give weight to certain adjectives based on their placements in the story, it rated the coverage Biden received in the first 11 months of 2021 and the coverage President Donald Trump got in the first 11 months of 2020. The findings painstakingly assembled by fiscal note Vice President Bill Frischling confirm my fear. My colleagues in the media are serving as accessories to the murder of democracy. So you see, if the media are mean to Joe Biden because he's a crap president, they're serving as accessories to the murder of democracy. The murder of democracy, according to Dana Milbank, the esteemed opinion journalist at the Washington Post. After a honeymoon of slightly positive coverage in the first three months of the year, Biden's press for the past four months has been as bad as, and for a time worse, than the coverage Trump received for the same four months of 2020. So um, maybe it's because he surrendered Afghanistan and we should be having a massive economic surge right now. And instead we are having kind of a mild economic crisis and we missed our job marks by like 300,000 jobs last month. Maybe it's inflation has hit home. Maybe it's a supply chain crisis. Maybe it's the fact that Joe Biden said he was going to destroy the, the COVID virus. And instead we are talking about nationwide lockdowns again, thanks to a variant, by the way, that we now know to be more virulent and probably less fatal than Delta. But according to Dana Milbank, you shouldn't pay any attention to the surrounding circumstances of the presidency. All you should pay attention to is the D or the R. So because Donald Trump was R, even if he was presiding over a stronger economy than Joe Biden, even if Donald Trump was running in the middle of a very contested election, none of that matters. Right? The only thing that matters is that Trump should have been treated worse by the media. Says Dana Milbank, think about that. In 2020, Trump presided over a worst-in-world pandemic response that caused hundreds of thousands of unnecessary deaths. Now, by the way, this is not a, a subjective take by Dana Milbank, right? He says the media should have been very, very harsh on Trump with regard to his COVID response because it was the worst-in-world worst pandemic response that caused hundreds of thousands of unnecessary deaths. Um, weird, because it seems like in this country, we actually developed the vaccines that everyone else is taking on planet Earth, right? That was our cash that made that happen. And by the way, how's it going in the rest of the world? I've noticed that um, pretty much everyone has gotten socked in the mouth by COVID. I, by the way, if we are now going to credit presidents with the number of deaths thanks to COVID, Joe Biden has now presided over more deaths from COVID than Donald Trump did during the entirety of 2020. According to Dana Milbank, Donald Trump held a super spreader event at the White House and got COVID-19 himself. This, by the way, is now the great sin. If you get COVID-19 yourself, this means that you are a sinner of some unforgivable sort, which is going to be really weird because I would assume at some point, some people in the White House, like say Jen Psaki, would get COVID. Does that mean that she was some sort of evil character? Dana Milbank says, he praised QAnon adherents, embraced violent white supremacists, waged a racist campaign against Black Lives Matter demonstrators. Remember, according to, it's as though you spit into a computer, a thousand Dana Milbank columns and a Dana Milbank column popped out the other end. The AI actually came up with this column. Trump got press coverage as favorable as or better than Biden is getting today. Sure, Biden has had his troubles with the Delta variant, Afghanistan and inflation, but the economy is rebounding impressively. He has signed major legislation. He has restored some measure of decency, calm and respect for democratic institutions. Has he? Has he, though, Dana? Are you sensing a sense of, of calm and decency from this White House? Are you respecting? Uh, how about respect for democratic institutions? You got the White House ripping on the Supreme Court every single day. You have the Democrats in Congress talking about killing the filibuster. You have the Democrats talking about completely rewriting the bargain between the American citizen and their government. You're talking about the federal government cramming down vax mandates on 80 million employees across the United States. I feel like the restoration isn't going all that well. But here's the point. For the media, it doesn't matter what Joe Biden does. Joe Biden ought to be treated with kid gloves because he is a Democrat. 
And so according to Dana Milbank, the real threat here is the media are being too kind to the authoritarians. He says, we need a skeptical independent press, but how about being partisans for democracy? The country is in an existential struggle between self-governance and an authoritarian alternative. And we in the news media collectively have given equal, if not slightly more favorable treatment to the authoritarians. Yes, that's right. I'm sure that the media, Dana Milbank, have been very favorable to the authoritarians like Donald Trump at the expense of Joe Biden. It's been very rough for Joe Biden. It's not that he's a crap president. It is that the media have been on the side of Donald Trump and the authoritarians. In just one second, we'll get to how the media are actually treating the various sides, because let's be real about this. The media treat Joe Biden as a president who is having his troubles, but they treat the other side of the aisle as, fish, as, as fascist racist. This is how they treat it. Right? Dana Milbank's perspective on the world is, in fact, mirrored by broad swaths of the media. And you can tell this from their coverage of these issues. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the need for life insurance. If you are a responsible adult, you do need life insurance. I mean, let's say that your parents, you're actually king and queen of a kingdom. You have a couple of kids, and one of those kids happens to be gifted with the ability to shoot ice from her hands, and you teach her to, to try and control this in certain ways, but then you decide to take a sea, an ill-advised sea voyage. And as your ship is being washed under the waves, you think to yourself, man, number one, I probably should have gotten in touch with those trolls a little bit sooner about a, a, a renewed second opinion. Uh, and two, I really, really need the life insurance. That was a bad move. Policy genius would have been the help that you needed. Policy genius makes getting a life insurance quote very easy. First, head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro, answer a few questions about yourself in minutes. You can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, compare personalized quotes to find your best price. It could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Their licensed experts will help you understand your options and apply for a policy. The Policy Genius team works for you, not the insurance companies, so you can trust them to offer unbiased help and advocate for you every step until you are covered. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro right now. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That is policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Again, policygenius.com dot com slash Shapiro to get started. Okay, so according to Dana Milbank, unbelievably enough, the media are kind to Donald Trump, but mean to Joe Biden. Now, this is the last vestige of people who are desperate to save Joe Biden, considering that he's just a really, really bad president. But it's going to tie into the narrative that we're going to see over the next couple of years, right? The narrative that we're going to see all the way up to 2024, because they tried it in 2020, and it kind of sort of worked, just because Donald Trump is such an outrageous character, that the media were able to pin on him pretty much everything. Right? Donald Trump committed one of the cardinal sins of politics. Okay, the, the way that you win in politics is you make it very difficult to vote for your opponent. You make it very easy to vote for you. Donald Trump makes it difficult to vote for his opponent and very easy for people to vote against him. He makes it hard for people to vote for him. Right, That's the story of 2020. In 2016, he made it very difficult to vote for Hillary Clinton. He made it hard to vote for him, but people just hated Hillary more. By 2020, by 2020, that math had shifted a little bit. Okay, he made it very easy. Democrats and the media are now going to try out the same playbook on Republicans. So right now, it's very difficult to vote for Democrats. Democrats have done a horrible job running the country. They're in control of the Senate. They're in control of the House. They're in control of the presidency. And we have seen a stagnating economic response to the pandemic. We have seen calls for a new lockdown. We've seen complete foreign policy collapse in Afghanistan. We're seeing additional chaos in the international scene, which we'll get to in a moment. And so the media are left with the same narrative that they tried out in 2020. And this narrative, of course, is that America is a white supremacist place and Republicans are representative of that underlying white supremacism. Okay, good evidence of how media coverage actually operates, for example, is the coverage of a white nationalist march that happened in Washington, D.C. 
by a group called Patriot Front. Okay, now I'd never heard of this group because why would you hear of this group? It's not a particularly large group. It's not a group of people who have a major impact in the American public debate. But basically, a bunch of white supremacists decided to rally in Washington, D.C. And apparently this was worthy of coverage by places like the Daily Beast, by places like the Washington, right? Like the, the, like the fact is you needed national coverage of the, of the white supremacist rally that happened in front of the Lincoln Memorial. According to the Daily Beast, a group of white supremacists stormed through downtown, stormed through downtown Washington, D.C. on Saturday evening, bearing American flags, mildly menacing plastic shields while marching to the beat of a snare drum down the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. But after chanting aggressively about their plans to reclaim America, their intended show of force stalled spectacularly when they lost their ride. While the group had marched through the city with threatening chants about their plan to reclaim America, by the end of the night, it was not even clear how they intended to reclaim their U-Haul. The rally by more than 100 members of the Patriot... Wow, 100 people. Woo-hoo! Yeah, boy, howdy. They're probably going to overthrow the democracy, those 100 people. Held just blocks from the White House. Sparked fear among many bystanders. Immediately attracted the attention of law enforcement, who shadowed the group to apparently prevent any clashes from erupting. Members wore uniform white gaiters, sunglasses, blue jackets, khaki pants, brown boots, and hats. Some donned plastic shin guards seeming to anticipate violence. The Patriot Front leader, Thomas Rousseau, spoke beside the Capitol reflecting pool. Bystanders booed. Asked about the reason for the march, Rousseau said, our demonstrations are an exhibition of our unified capability to organize, to show our strength, not as brawlers or public nuisances, but as men capable of illustrating a message and seeking an America that more closely resembles the interests of its true people. No arrests were made. And uh, apparently the cops just kind of stood around waiting for these people to leave. Two dozen members of the white supremacist group could not leave. They were apparently stranded. Members of the group had waited in a one-way roundabout to depart in one of the U-Hauls they'd used to transport themselves, but the large rented moving van could not fit them all. So many of them were forced to wait in 45-degree darkness as the bulky orange vehicle made multiple trips over the, over the course of the nearly three hours. Patriot Front used to be called Vanguard America. Okay, so why exactly is this relevant? The reason it's relevant is because this actually received fairly widespread media coverage. Okay, this, this was a story that deserved basically no media coverage because here's the reality. When 100 people rally for anything, that is not a big story. When you have a, when you have 100 people rally for, like, I can get 100 people to do pretty much anything in the United States. It's a country of 330 million people. Okay, but this received fairly widespread media coverage. And the question is why? Why would white nationalists go viral on Twitter, like 100 of them, marching by the Lincoln Memorial? And the answer is because this ties into a broader democratic narrative. So when you talk about Dana Milbank, the coverage of Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, you have to understand that it is not merely the coverage directly of who the president is that matters. It is the coverage of all the issues in the United States that directly impact politics. So when you make it seem in the United States, for example, that there is a grave white supremacist threat, which is exactly the case that was being made by many members of the media last year, when you make that case over and over and over, and meanwhile, you suggest that anyone who opposes Black Lives Matter is in fact a white supremacist, the, the movement and the group is in fact a white supremacist. They're not just opposed to riots and looting. They're white supremacists. If you, if you believe that, then this makes you a bad person, right? That sort of narrative drives how politics is done in the United States. And you're seeing the media re-up this, right? They're re-upping this in time for 2022. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about how you protect yourself from another form of crime that few people have heard of. I'm talking, of course, about home title fraud. The FBI calls title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes. It could ruin you financially, which is why you need home title lock. Title fraud happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home and leaves you with the payments. 
You'll spend a fortune in legal fees trying to prove you didn't commit fraud. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone, from a cyber thief to a renter to a relative trying to forge their way onto your home title, they help shut it down cold, which you need because, again, insurance probably doesn't cover this. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address to see if you're already a victim, and enter radio for 30 days of free protection. That is code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. Criminals are always devising new ways to get at your money. Since your mortgage, since your home is probably your most valuable asset, you need Home Title Lock. You can go check it out right now, HomeTitleLock.com. Register that address. See if you're already a victim. Use code radio for 30 free days of protection. That is code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. All right, so... Again, the broader democratic narrative, which they tried out in 2020, and it worked for them, was the idea that America was under true authoritarian threat from the right. And that was exacerbated in the aftermath of the November election by Donald Trump talking loosely about the evils of the election and suggesting the election had been stolen from him. And then it was exacerbated more gravely by January 6th and the media claiming that we were just moments from a coup attempt. And now the democratic through line is that if you oppose Black Lives Matter, In 2020, if you oppose the riots and the looting, if you thought it was a lie that America's police are systemically racist, or more broadly, that America was systemically racist, this means you are part of the authoritarian white nationalist movement. That was the line they used in 2020. Then they moved that through January 6th, which they said was a white nationalist uprising that was just moments away from seizing the country. And now they're moving that into the halls of Congress. So you have Ilhan Omar trying to make the case that Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene are a true threat to the United States. And so, of course, is Kevin McCarthy because they're being mean to Ilhan Omar. Hey, now, Here's the thing about Ilhan Omar. She's a terrible human being. Ilhan Omar is, in fact, an advocate on behalf of terrorists in the past. She literally wrote a letter to a judge. That judge was being asked to rule on the case of a man from Minnesota who was trying to join ISIS. She wrote a letter to the guy saying that he was just a victim of the American system. And so the judge should go easy on him. This is Ilhan Omar who voted against Iron Dome funding for Israel, which is a solely protective technology that prevents Hamas missiles from hitting the interior of Israel. Ilhan Omar sympathizes with terrorist groups like Hamas okay, against Israel. Ilhan Omar is, is a terrible member of Congress. Now, none of this means that people should be sending death threats to anybody because this is a free, civilized country in which you should be able to express your opinions without fear of death threats. Death threats are illegal for a reason. Okay, but Ilhan Omar is now saying that if she receives criticism or if somebody makes an untoward joke about her, that this is just the threat to American democracy writ large. And Democrats are going to try and trot out this playbook. So while Dana Milbank claims that the media are upholding authoritarianism by, me, by being mean to, to Joe Biden, the reason he means that is because many members of the media think the same. They believe that the narrative in American politics is that the Democrats are the good party and the Republicans are the white nationalist evil party. And they're going to do whatever they can to forward that story. Here is, here is Ilhan Omar making this case on State of the Union. What is it like to hear that kind of blatant bigotry, blatant Islamophobia, coming from a fellow elected member of the House of Representatives? It's shocking and unacceptable. Um, And, you know, it's very unbecoming of a congresswoman uh, to use that kind of derogatory, dangerous, um, uh, inciting language uh, against uh, a colleague. Many of us thought you know, post 9-11, that we were on the men's. Many of us thought since 9-11, you mean since uh, something happened to some people, that that 9-11, Congresswoman Omar? Okay, but again, this is part of the broader narrative. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you watch those white nationalists march on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, and there are a hundred of them, and they can't even get organized enough to uh, get a U-Haul out of town, does that seem like a threat to the system to you? Did it really seem 
Like we were on the verge of being overthrown on January 6th last year? Or did it seem like a bunch of droogs and idiots decided to invade the Capitol building, get themselves arrested, and then spend the next year in jail? Because it seemed a lot more like the latter to me. That doesn't mean that Donald Trump said good things between the November election and January 6th. He did not. I was highly critical of it. You can go listen to it. It does not mean that the people of January 6th were not a threat to life and limb to some police officers because they did some physical damage to some police officers. They harm people and they should go to jail for that. What it does mean is that if you're looking at the systemic power in the United States, the systemic power in the United States is behind the opinion of people like Dana Milbank. And Dana Milbank is, is openly acknowledging what many in the media believe, which is their job to protect Democrats from the vicissitudes of fortune. It is their job to protect Democrats from the reality of their own rule, because if we expose the American public to how bad they are at their jobs, the authoritarians might take over. Now, the reality is that the true authoritarians in American life, the ones who have institutional power backing them, are the people who are talking about shutting down your daily life because of an Omicron variant that, by the way, is almost certainly less deadly than Delta. The people who have control over your daily life are the people who want more control over your daily life. The supposed white nationalist authoritarian threat to the United States is not from the right. The racist threat to the United States on a cultural level is from people who advocate on behalf of a 1619 project that pushes the notion that if you are white in the United States, you carry some sort of race guilt based on the color of your skin. And that if you're black in the United States, you are inherently a victim of the system. That is a message not echoed by a fringe, crazy few. That is a, that is a message echoed by nearly everyone in the mainstream media. Remember, Ilhan Omar is sitting there on State of the Union, having retained her spot on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, talking about why Lauren Boebert should lose her minority committee assignment because Lauren Boebert made an ill-advised joke about Ilhan Omar carrying a bomb in her backpack. Meanwhile, Ilhan Omar is an open, raging anti-Semite, and the Democrats have repeatedly let her off the hook for it. And the media still have Ilhan Omar on to talk about what a victim she is in American society and how American society is deeply racist. So which side actually has the institute in order to actually effectuate a coup? You have to actually have the power. You have to have some institutional power to back you. You can't effectuate a coup with a bunch of idiots from your local drinking club. To effectuate a coup, you have to have some sort of institutional support. The institutional supports in the United States are all on, the, on behalf of a left that mirrors the priorities of Dana Milbank. And he knows this, which is why he's attempting to shame everybody on the, on the media left into joining his crusade not to honestly cover the Biden administration. And it's kind of fun to watch the media try to spin their own bias in real time. So over the weekend, Chris Cuomo formally lost his job at CNN. Brian Stelter, who until literally last week had been saying that he thought that Chris Cuomo might get his job back at CNN by January, he had to announce on air that Chris Cuomo was gone. So here was uh, Brian Stelter talking about uh, whether CNN had lost trust as a result of the Chris Cuomo thing. Here's the thing, Brian. The answer is no. You never had trust because you guys are just an outlet for the Democratic Party. That's all. So there's such a, uh, you know, a complicated case here where you have this uh, apparently a, a ABC, a former ABC staffer, someone who worked with Cuomo at ABC, making this allegation. Then you have all these producers who currently work for Cuomo singing his praises, and they are, uh, at least the people I've talked to, quite disappointed that Cuomo's been terminated. So a lot of tension in this. Let's go to David Zerwick next. Ultimately, this is about trust in media, as Sarah was referring to. Trust in media. Has CNN lost trust as a result of this. I know you guys lost trust last year when you were putting out headlines about how there were fiery but mostly peaceful protests happening in America's major cities. And you can try to make this about Chris Cuomo and about how Chris Cuomo is, is very bad because he was helping his brother. Uh, when did it dawn on you that Chris Cuomo was helping his brother? Was it during the endless segments, the endless Smothers Brothers segments 
in which you had him on with his brother talking about how his brother was the love gov, the greatest governor in America, as he shoveled elderly people with COVID back into nursing homes, killing thousands of them and then covering it up. Was that about the time when they were stacking elderly people in, in corpse freezers because of your brother? Was, was that about the time that, that you guys think you lost trust? Or are we supposed to pretend that you had trust until five seconds ago? By the way, here is Chris Cuomo speaking out about his firing over the weekend. He said, this is not how I want my time at CNN to end. I've already told you why and how I helped my brother. Let me now say, as disappointing as this is, I could not be more proud of the team at Cuomo Primetime and the work we did as CNN's number one show in the most competitive time slot. I owe them all. We'll miss that group of special people who did really important work. That important work that CNN was willing to protect up until yesterday was work like lying about the Black Lives Matter riots, like suggesting that there was, I remember Chris Cuomo saying on his show, what in the constitution says that riots and looting are legal? And Chris Cuomo is a guy who, who, with remarkable precision, towed the Democratic Party line, which was fine with the media. It was only when he got embarrassing that they had to shuffle him off the moral coil. So when Dana Milbank makes the case that the, that the media are somehow anti-Biden, no, the answer is that even the media cannot hide how bad Joe Biden has been as president. But don't worry, they'll come back with a narrative next year just in time for the Democrats to compete for Congress. Hey, in the meantime, the news just keeps getting worse. So remember, Joe Biden promised that he was going to end COVID. Remember that? He wasn't going to shut down the economy. He was going to shut down COVID. And then we had another jobs report last month. And that jobs report showed the 210,000 jobs being added as opposed to the 500 some thousand jobs that were supposed to be added. Meanwhile, Joe Biden came out on, uh, on Friday to talk about the new economic report, which, by the way, is not very good. And he was croaking like Kermit the Frog. His, his voice completely changed. It was like, George Clooney had oddly taken over the meat puppet that was Joe Biden. Here was Joe Biden trying to explain that he just had a cold. It wasn't, it wasn't COVID, guys. It was just a cold. Your voice sounds a little different. Are you okay? I'm okay. I have a test every day to see a COVID test. I have a checking for all the strands. What I have is a one-and-a-half-year-old grandson who had a cold who likes to kiss his pop. <laughs> and he'd been kissing it my, anyway. So, uh, but it's just a cold. So George Clooney's voice taking over the elderly body of Joe Biden. So he had the cold over the weekend. This doddering old fool is the one who's presiding over what should be a booming economy, and it's not, over a completely collapsing foreign policy. And meanwhile, we're supposed to believe that the authoritarianism is coming from a fringe part of the American political spectrum. That's the true fear, according to Dana Milbank. If you cover him honestly, you might be forwarding the authoritarianism. Literally, his White House press secretary said over the weekend, that anyone who is not pro-vax mandate needs to get out of the way. Here she was over the weekend. Our message to Governor Kemp is uh, if you're not going to be a part of uh, protecting the people of Georgia, ensuring that they can take steps to save their own lives, save their neighbors' lives and their children's, then you should get out of the way. Because businesses are implementing steps across the country, including in, in Georgia, to put in place vaccine or testing requirements. Uh, hospital associations are, universities are, um, and people, uh, and what we've seen as one of the biggest barriers, and this is something we can do from the federal government, is access. Don't worry, the authoritarianism is coming from those 100 morons and racists marching on the Lincoln Memorial steps. It is not coming from the White House, which is literally telling governors whose job it is to protect their citizens, to get out of the way so the federal government can exercise authority it does not have under the Constitution of the United States. And by the way, when I say they have institutional support, I mean across the institutions. For a, Here's a great example. You, it is amazingly on the nose. Like the writers of, of this season, we're now in Trump season six, 
So th this writer, th this group of writers, they're too on the nose. They really are. Like when you say that there's an authoritarian threat and then people literally start rewriting dictionary definitions in order to meet what the president of the United States wants. That's a pretty good example of authoritarianism. I'll explain that in just one moment. First, let's talk about the fact there are a lot of jobs to fill, not enough people to fill them. We've got like holiday lighting installers and advanced snowmakers and mall Santa photographers. If you need to hire for one of those festive roles or any others, there's only one place you should go, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. After all, if ZipRecruiter can fill an advanced snowmaker position, they can most likely help with your hiring needs. How does ZipRecruiter do it? Well, ZipRecruiter uses powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. Then it proactively presents these candidates to you. You can easily review these recommended candidates, invite your top choices to apply for your job, which encourages them to apply faster. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated hiring site in the United States based on G2 ratings. In fact, ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Discover hiring joy with ZipRecruiter. Jingle your way on over to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. We've been using ZipRecruiter over here at Daily Wire for years. You can do the same, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Go check them out right now. For those of you who haven't heard yet, by the way, Matt Walsh has a new book. It's called Johnny the Walrus. It soared to the top of the Amazon charts. It also became the number one book in Amazon's LGBTQ plus category. And there's a reason why it is one of the most popular books in the country. It's hysterically funny. And also the fact that, that Matt is now a children's author for the LGBTQ plus crowd is just, it's just delicious. Please head on over to johnnythewalrus.com right now. Pre-order your copy today. Also, last week, Joe Biden announced his winter COVID plan. It's apparent his administration is only going to double down on their authoritarian policies. Not only did Biden announce he's extending the federal mask mandate for public transportation, Jen Psaki then admitted the administration is actually considering requiring that all Americans be vaccinated in order to fly domestically, despite all evidence demonstrating that the vaccinated can still pass the disease and also that airplanes are not chief vectors of transmission. So now, if you want to visit your family for the holidays, according to Biden, maybe you need to drive across the country rather than fly or comply. The Biden administration is working overtime to force you to do the latter. This is why our lawsuit against Biden's vax mandate for private employers remains vital. We need to stop this madness before it grows. If we prevail in federal court, it will weaken the Biden administration's ability to implement these ridiculous authoritarian measures. We need your help. If you haven't signed our petition and you need to stop what you're doing right now, head on over to dailywire.com slash do not comply and add your name. We need to send an overwhelming message to the administration. The American people will not comply. We have a goal of reaching a million signatures that would provide a major boost to our legal challenge. More than halfway to the goal. We need your help to cross that finish line. Please sign the petition at dailywire.com slash do not comply and then share our petition with all of your friends and family. Let's send a message to the Biden administration so loud they cannot ignore us. You are listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so when I talk about how authoritarianism is backed by chief elements of the culture. The dictionary is a good example of this. When they're literally changing dictionary definitions just to meet what Joe Biden wants out of life, you know where the power lies in American life. So for example, Webster's Dictionary literally changed the definition of the, ver of the noun anti-vaxxer. So it says anti-vaxxer, a person who opposes vaccination. Okay, fair. Or laws that mandate vaccination. They literally change the definition so they can call people who are pro-vaccine but anti-mandate anti-vaxxers. That's insane. I'm not anti-vaccine. There's not a person on the right who's advocated vaccines more loudly or more continuously than I have. I've been advocating vaccines since before it was cool, like back to 2015, publicly, 
and privately a lot longer than that. And when it comes to COVID vaccines, I told you when I got it. I told you my family got it. Like, I'm very, pro but I'm not in favor of mandates because I still believe that Americans ought to have freedom. And the data evidence does not back the idea that you are chiefly a threat to others if you are unvaccinated, particularly to the vaccinated. Because again, the vaccinated are vaccinated and the unvaccinated don't seem to care. But you have the dictionary literally changing definitions in order to meet the diktats of the Biden administration. I mean, that, that, is, that is Orwellian as all hell. And they keep doing this over and over, like in every element of American life. You remember when there was an attempt to claim that the use of the term sexual preference by Amy Coney Barrett during her judicial hearings was some sort of, of rampant homophobia. And the dictionary literally changed the term preference so that it would mirror Maisie Hirono's idiocy on this. The institutions of our public discourse, they, they march in absolute lockstep. And then you wonder about where the authoritarian threat is coming from. By the way, speaking of the authoritarian threat, apparently New York City under Bill de Blasio on his way out, he's announcing that there will be a vax mandate for all private sector employees starting on December 27th. So they already have labor shortages at the ERs in New York City. A lot of public health workers dropping out of the workforce. Now he's announcing that all private sector employees must be vaxxed in New York City starting December 27th. But, but don't worry. The real authoritarian threat is white supremacists are going to coup the country or some, some such garbage. By the way, all of this is counter to the science because here's the reality. We all know that COVID is going to become endemic. We are, it already is. Not only that, it turns out that the new Omicron variant is evading the vaccines with regard to transmissibility. It's not evading it with regard to hospitalization and death, but it is with regard to transmissibility. So is Delta, by the way. Delta has already taken down the transmissibility argument in favor of mass vaccination because Delta was making it so that even the vaccinated were passing COVID to one another and to the unvaccinated. Here's Rochelle Walensky, head of the CDC, acknowledging that COVID is going to become endemic, but you still have our COVID authoritarians treating it as though if we crack down hard enough, it won't be endemic anymore, which of course is unbelievably silly. We have seen now that um, this is likely to become an endemic um, disease here in the United States and really around the world. We have many diseases um, that are endemic, influenza being one of them, that cause us minor challenges year after year and that we can handle and tackle. And that may very well be what happens with COVID. Okay, so, um, and... And so it, what, if, what if we're not scared of that? What if we now understand that it's endemic and then people who are vaxxed are vaxxed and people who are unvaxxed are unvaxxed and that's it. But Anthony Fauci is now saying that people like Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin are fear-mongering because, because Ron Johnson said that, that Anthony Fauci was fear-mongering. He said that you keep trying to scare the living hell out of people. And the reality is that people are just not all that worried anymore because they've all had the opportunity to get vaxxed and that's all you can pretty much do. Here's Anthony Fauci complaining though. Fauci did the exact same thing with AIDS. He, he overhyped it. He created all kinds of fears, saying it could affect the entire population when it couldn't. And he's doing, he's using the exact same play, playbook for COVID. Overhyping COVID, it's already killed 780,000 Americans and over 5 million people worldwide. So I don't have any clue of what he's talking about. Okay, what he is talking about, Fauci knows exactly what he's talking about. When Johnson says you're overhyping COVID, what he means is the risk factors for young, healthy Americans are extremely low for COVID. For children, they're almost non-existent. Yes, you're overhyping COVID. 
Because again, you refuse to mention the age and health striations with regard to response to the virus. We all know this. And you're overhyping Omicron, right? You have Anthony Fauci out there on the TVs every day explaining how Omicron might kill us all. So we have to be ready for full lockdowns and maybe we ought to have travel bans and all the rest of this. Here is the latest from the Jerusalem Post. Quote, new data published on Saturday suggests Omicron is more contagious, but not as dangerous as other variants. According to Professor Dror Mevarach, a senior physician from Hadassah Hebrew University Medical Center. He said, we have to say this with a lot of caution, but if we look at the currently available information, there's reason to believe the variant is spreading fast, but maybe it is not so dangerous. According to South Africa's Shawain District Omicron Variant Patient Profile, which is the epicenter of the Omicron outbreak, 80% of hospital admissions in the previous two weeks were people below age 50, the vast majority of whom did not require oxygen support. Okay, by the way, who was saying last week when all this Omicron talk started that it was a bunch of hype? That Omicron was more, because this is what viruses typically do. They become more transmissible and they and, and more virulent and less deadly, right? Who, because again, viruses don't typically want to kill all the hosts. If they kill all the hosts, then the virus goes away. So instead, they like to circulate in the population. And as variants occur, they get less and less deadly, but more and more transmissible. Okay, so the replacement of Delta with Omicron might actually not be the worst thing in the world. Because if I have to choose between a virus that eventually everyone will get, like Delta, which is slightly more deadly, and one that everyone will get, like Omicron, that is slightly less deadly, I'll take Omicron. But we were all supposed to panic about this, remember? It was very important to panic about this. And not only was it super important to panic about all of this, we were supposed to talk about how stronger measures were going to help our economy. That's something moron Ron Klain, the chief of staff over at the White House, literally tweeted. He said that stronger COVID measures have made the economy stronger, which is patently untrue which is why Bill de Blasio is now talking about force vaccinating every private employee in New York City. Okay, this is crazy. But don't worry, the true authoritarian threat is going to be the people who are, who are white supremacists and marching by the, by the dozens in Washington, D.C. That's really where we should be fearful. And by the way, the only way that we can apparently win over Omicron and the rest is not only authoritarian mandates, but more spending. So Congress is seeking to ram through more and more and more spending. According to the Wall Street Journal, Congress is racing against the clock to complete a series of must-pass pieces of legislation, with Democrats also pushing to finish their roughly $2 trillion social and climate policy legislation by the end of the year. Congress is expected to focus this week on a defense policy bill known as the National Defense Authorization Act, or NDAA, which was held up in the Senate last week over provisions regarding Russia and China. Instead of the Senate passing its own bill, a compromise bill is expected to come to the House for a vote. Meanwhile, lawmakers have to raise the debt limit by around mid-month when the Treasury has said emergency measures to pay government obligations will run out. But that's not stopping them from talking about that $2 trillion build back better nonsense. Okay, so you wonder why the coverage of the Biden administration may be bad? Maybe it's because they're really, really bad at their jobs. Maybe it's because they're really bad at their jobs. They try to spin it away, but they're really bad at their jobs. Here's Labor Secretary Marty Walsh trying to explain that the economy is really picking up steam when everybody can see that it's kind of flaming out here. We have to look at this as a whole plan. Since President Biden has taken office, the economy is getting stronger and stronger and stronger every day. Uh, we're seeing nearly 6 million people return to the workforce. We've seen a full two points drop off the unemployment number. Uh, we're seeing opportunities that, that people haven't had forever, quite honestly. No one believes this. By the way, that New York City, new move, they're strengthening vax screening at indoor public establishments. Okay, now you have to be vaxxed if you are five years old and going to a movie. Not kidding. 
This is going to Mark Levine, who's the public health commissioner of New York City. It's now going to include, as of December 14th, all five to 11-year-olds, and it will require a second shot. So, yeah, maybe it's this. Maybe the American people just don't like this crap. Maybe they just don't like it. All righty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content coming up soon. The Matt Walsh Show airs at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Post producer, Justin Barber. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright, Daily Wire 2021. Today on The Matt Wall Show, I have somehow become the number one LGBT author in the world. This is a twist no one expected. We'll talk about that today. Also, the parents of the Oxford High School shooter are being charged with manslaughter. Is that the right move, or does it set a dangerous precedent for the future, or could both be true, possibly? Plus, Kamala Harris's henpecked staffers go to increasingly awkward yet hilarious lengths to prove that they're happy to work for her. And the New York Times says that hotels in New York should be turned into homeless encampments. What could possibly go wrong there? A lot, it turns out. Finally, in our daily cancellation, Rashida Tlaib makes a pitch for student loan forgiveness. But I'll explain why she is herself personally a perfect example of why there should not be student loan forgiveness. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Hey, 